Welcome back to Pinstripe Pulse. The offseason is not doing much. We're going to talk a little bit about the Yankees offseason in the beginnings before the winter meetings, and we're going to go through prospects. Let's hit it. Welcome to Pinstripe Pulse. My name is Liam. I'm joined by Jake. Jake, how you doing, man? What's up, man? Just recovering from COVID. You know, I had that that semi-long Rona, you know, two weeks, two weeks strong. Yeah, two weeks strong. And the good thing, Yankees haven't been cooking much. There's been a lot of uh, Yankees Twitter nonsense, which we'll uh, dive into as we always do. Um, I've been full throttle in the World Cup, so it was a uh, no better time to get COVID, Jake, than than last week. Oh, truly, <laughs> I got to stay home and do absolutely nothing. I started Grey's Anatomy, which is <laughs> a roller coaster on its own. From the Probably, beginning, from the beginning, I'm on season eight right now. <laughs> no, oh my god! So I made it. I made it fucking eight seasons, and um, there's been more roller coasters there than there has the entire like hot stove so far. Yeah, exactly. When uh when I was in college. <laughs> um game of thrones the the last season came out and my friends wanted to watch it the whole season i had never watched it before but they're like oh we're gonna do like a, a fantasy draft where we draft the game of thrones players and i'm uh, i wasn't a game of thrones person but i'm a fantasy draft person so i'm like sign me up so i did the fantasy draft with no knowledge of the show and watched the seven seasons of game of thrones like within the first two weeks of like the first two episodes that we watched so i watched like season eight episode one then like seasons one through four and then episode two so nothing better than a good binge that's like a cardinal sin within the uh the game of thrones community i'm sure (laughs) thankfully i never got fully deep dove into that that world so the fantasy draft made it fun that's what got me into game of thrones and i'm i'm happy for it um but speaking of fantasy uh let's talk about the offer that Aaron Judge got or didn't get. Well, we don't know about the number. So uh Passon, Rosenthal, everyone reputable came out saying that the Yankees offered Aaron Judge eight years in the ballpark of three hundred million dollars as our preliminary offer. Jake, what are your thoughts? I mean, so this is one thing that I think I've been seeing on Yankees Twitter for a bit and it has been driving me crazy admittedly is um, people are taking that number very literally. Like they're saying, this is a hundred percent in eight years, a hundred percent, $300 million. When in, in reality, Jeff Passon said it's in that ballpark. Um, I think that is a great starting point, a really good stepping stone for this off season to really get it kickstarted. Um, they're not going to outbid themselves. The Yankees are not going to try to outbid their own offers. So like why set the bar at $45 million a year when no other team has proven that they're going to actually touch that yet. I think $37.5 million already breaks that prerequisite that it's above the highest current AAV for a, a, a current position player, which is Mike Trout at 36, I think, 36.5, something like that. So he's I already so, got to yeah. be there. And um, I think this is a really good start. And obviously it's up to the Dodgers and the Giants to – raise that price up they're going to have to i think the yankees put the right amount of pressure on opposing teams to actually try to get this thing moving and i think this is exactly what needed to happen in order for the winter meetings to become that much more important yeah i agree i think it's that sweet spot like you said where it's enough of 
you know, it's a reasonable offer. You know, last year I mentioned it on our previous podcast, but the Astros gave an offer to Correa that they knew he was never going to take, you know, with this, this is a real offer for judge. And I think it's a bit under what he's ultimately going to get. Um, but it does both a good job of setting a reasonable market where the Yankees aren't needlessly pushing the boundary up. Um, but it also puts the pressure on San Fran because now I think reasonably, you know, at, at someone of this level with this kind of commitment for him to move, I think for him to go to another team, they're going to need to give at least five to 10 million more. You know, I don't think the union would really get on judge, you know, for taking a marginal decrease for the Yankees if it's like within the five, 10 million range. So now you look at the Giants are going to have to open up their bid, let's say eight years, 310. And I think that's even low balling it. I think he's going to end up at the 40 mil a year. But um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's that exact sweet spot. You put pressure on the other teams. Okay, now this is kind of what the market is. They're going to have to go up. Do they bid with themselves? Do they go to 340, 350? Are they ready to do that? I don't know that any team is. Um, I'd be surprised if they are. But it also, I think it starts the negotiations in fair terms with Judge. You know, they had their offer. Judge bet on himself, but now they're coming to the table. Yeah, we'll we'll give you this much. This is real. Um, And, and we think... You know, we don't think you're crazy for asking what you're asking for. And yeah. given the market, I don't I don't think he is. So I think Judge, his agent, the Yankees are all in good terms right now. So it makes me excited. Yeah. If anything, he is setting a ceiling and um, I, I, it's a great first step. I just I think that there's not another free agent that's going to get even remotely close to what he's getting this year. I mean, like you've got like we've touched upon how much we like Trey Turner even Carlos Correa, like those guys are going to get somewhere in the two hundreds, but Judge is going to ultimately get probably a hundred more, hundred million more than them total, like throughout that contract. And another thing that we have to take into account is what's the structure of that contract? Is it going to be end loaded? Is it going to be front loaded? Obviously, it makes sense to front load it and then have them get something like twenty to twenty five million a year, thirty million a year, like by the like what year twenty thirty whatever year that would be twenty thirty one. So there's a lot that we just simply don't know at this point. And I think we have to be okay with that. We have to kind of let that natural order take place in order for this thing to actually set into movement the right way. And I think that's a good point about front loading the deal too, because um, go back and listen to our episode number three with Jay Ray, where we, we picked the team, but ultimately uh, we found that the only way to make a real championship level roster is to break that 253 million dollar threshold that that number two threshold um but the thing is with that is that obviously the they're within that threshold the more you go over the more you're taxed on that extra money but in terms of draft picks international money um that kind of compensation it's it's even across that level so i think you know let's say we give judge a 50 million dollar contract next year and then when he gets to 38 that's down to like a 32 mil a 30 mil um, I see, I think that could be ideal for an aging player. And then at that point, you know, given inflation, given how the market expands in baseball, judge could be on a cheap deal in his mid thirties as a DH for what he can give. So I'm excited for it. I think the Yankees are in a good spot with him. I'm more optimistic than I've ever been about his return, but winter meetings are next week. There's going to be a firestorm on Twitter and Nightingale and Rosenthal and pass in with different agents and owners and GMs in their ears. So we'll we'll see what's we'll try to parse what's real out of that and right back up. Like we we all know his value, they know his value. 
he is the most valuable player out there. I mean, he was obviously named MVP, but <laughs> like he, he straight up, if you look at his numbers, he had the best statistical season by anyone in a long time. Um, so whatever he gets, he earned it. And we just have to accept that. Yep. We'll do more on Judge, but another move that was of note on Yankees Twitter was the Yankees tendering Isaiah Kiner-Falefa to a one-year, $6 million deal? Yeah, yeah. one six. One year for six. Um, and the main thing I want to say here, a lot of people kind of construe that as, oh, the Yankees are committing to IKF. And in a way, they are. Um, but the point of that deal was what that does with tendering IKF that contract is that settles his arbitration. So the Yankees aren't going to go to hearings with IKF. They generally don't like to do that with their players. They almost did it with Judge just because the numbers are are pretty big up there. IKF had a projected arbitration of about $6 million, so the Yankees kind of settled, avoided um, that lawsuit. Not that lawsuit, but that, that court date. What that does, uh, potentially... One, we'll, we're going to talk about DJ's injury in a bit, but it gives the Yankees flexibility. They have a major league infielder at worst. He could be the starting shortstop. We'll see as we get to March. We have other options. Um, but what it does for the Yankees is that instead of releasing him and not having a major league infielder anymore you know, with injuries and whatnot, they have an infielder where he can play. He could be a shortstop. Um, and also it, it adds a bit of trade leverage because I think – if you trade a player who's going into an arbitration hearing, um, it's just a little bit more of a headache for a team that would take him on. So if he is still a trade piece, he's more comfortable, and he's at the reasonable price that you would think he would get. Um, but he's also a major league caliber infielder, which I've said um, I think IKF is of value. And whether he starts at shortstop, we'll talk about that more. Yeah, I still don't think that he's going to be starting at shortstop, in my personal opinion. And I think that this is an easy kind of deal to make just because it is literally for one year it's just a one-year commitment and it's very movable like there's no reason for them to feel hamstrung by giving him six million this season like very very easy money to move yeah and i i think there's very few teams in baseball that would shy away from a one-year six million dollar contract for ikf because ultimately he is what he gives you you know even maybe the really low salary teams that just go for prospects at middle infield, but I think that's decent value um, for what he can provide. Yeah. Um, and I think it's even more important. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I just think he'll be a great bench piece, um, if anything, for the Yankees this season or kind of used in that super utility spot just to move around because, like like you said, DJ is going to be a big question mark entering the season. Yeah, so this week or this past week, it came out um, with some – with some information about DJ's injury. And I think that information is more uncertainty than anything else. Um, what we learned, I, I joked with Jake that when the Yankees do the end of season presser, that they're going to tell us, oh, you know, DJ got surgery and so-and-so, like that's inevitable. Um, what we learned that DJ didn't get surgery. Um, it's a it's a pretty rare injury, what DJ has. Um, and they're being cautious about it the doctors honestly don't know the best way to approach it. So they're letting him rest for a while, see where that gets him. Um, but what might end up happening is DJ has a long resting recovery or that decision on surgery is made late, you know, potentially into the new year. Um, and then we see him out for about three to four months from then. So I think 
you know, my thinking right now is he might miss the first four to six weeks of the season at least. He could even be sidelined into June. Um, and so all of a sudden, we do have infield depth, but, you know, DJ is a big hitting piece at the top of our lineup. He gives that utility. Um, and now we have to start thinking about what does our infield look like without DJ in it for at least the first few months. I mean, it definitely affects the uh, the decision on Glaber. You know, like, unfortunately, this could be a reason to keep him for another year, even though I still don't see him as a part of the bigger picture for the Yankees moving forward beyond 2023. Um, so that does concern me a lot, but he might have to stay simply for that reason. Although I still think that it's more valuable to actually give runs to Peraza and Volpe and then still bring in one of these new sh uh, shortstop free agents than trying to keep Glaber in the picture just for another year. Although that just is more likely now because they don't have to, like, they don't necessarily have to move him. I mean, he's making $10 million a year, right, for uh, arbitration this year. Yep. So about. not a terrible deal to be on for a one-year contract, but at the same time, it's just like he's not going to be blocking at the end of the day, Volpe and Peraza. And it's still, there's a chance that one of those guys gets moved too. So there could be a lane for him to snuggle, like, snuggle right in there. But it's it's just one of those things that it's unfortunate because I still think that they could get a lot of uh, value out of labor this offseason. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think, you know, it kind of depends on your on the Yankees aggressiveness. You know, it's easy for us to sit here and say, hey, you can trade Glaber, get good value. You can get this shortstop and, you know, or maybe you can move the kids. Ultimately, the Yankees understand more about the market. Do I think they're p passive more than we would like sometimes? Yes. Um, but the Yankees tax is real um, in terms of the Teams are hesitant to give the Yankees a full package that they would give another team for the same player not wearing pinstripes. So um, just because people don't want to see the Yankees succeed because they have for so long. And, you know, um, and I understand that from another team's perspective to an extent. You don't want to rob yourself of prospect capital or just good players in general. Um, I hope the Yankees use this as flexibility to uh, maybe an opportunity to bring up Volpe on opening day, which I shot down at first. But, you know, with DJ out, that that opens up a lane for a top prospect. You know, does he really – what are those three weeks in AAA going to do for him? I don't know how much they would actually do. Volpe is, by all accounts, a, a pretty ready prospect. And maybe they're more likely to also pull the trigger if they can get rid of Glaber on one of those top shortstops like we spoke about. Yeah. I mean, I think, like, that's the good thing, at least, is there are options there. And I do – it is very likely that Fulpe is going to be on the Yankees' main roster playing in the infield at some point this season. But this definitely murkies the uh, the waters and kind of makes it unsure when exactly that's going to happen now. All right, now time to talk about our prospects. So what Jake and I are going to do, we're going to look at some of the – top Yankees prospects that we find interesting that might be on the radar upcoming or um, also some guys that are far down the line. Um, and we're going to bring you some players of note and have some conversation there. Um, in the minor leagues, everyone's either a catcher, a shortstop, or a starting pitcher, it seems. Um, also, everyone's a center fielder if you play the outfield. Um, so we haven't gone really set by positions, but we might project out, especially if they have an imminent uh, value on this Yankees team is but the 2023 team we might protect out where they land but uh, Jake want to start us off with your first prospect so one guy that we've been hearing a lot about in the last few years and it's been 
partially negative, partially positive, but more positive of late is um, definitely Austin Wells. He's a very intriguing player because he has been known for his power. And I believe he's in double A right now. So he he is moving up the ranks pretty quickly. Um, just trying to check and see how old he is. But I believe he's still fairly on the younger side. And he he's 23 years old. So young kid, but he has power from the left side, I believe. He's a lefty batter. Um, his glove was always kind of questionable. And that was the biggest concern with the Yankees system is they thought maybe he might not be able to hold his own as a catcher but I believe his catching statistics have improved drastically um within the last year or two he made some adjustments and now everything is looking a lot more crisp and clean for him so with his power bat I think he's a guy to definitely look out for in the upcoming season or two yeah I I agree I think uh Austin Wells is I think the one Yankees draft pick I've ever watched get picked live because he was picked during that weird 2020 five round draft where there was no sports content it was like early June 2020 um but yeah you know Austin Wells is an exciting prospect um on mlb.com they rank his glove still as a 40 um but if you hear within uh some of the reporters that we follow within the Yankees farm system um you know that watch Somerset that watch Scranton um there has been accounts of Austin Wells being an improved defender um so I don't think he's ever going to be a top tier defender know like you were saying but um we'll see i we'll see if it becomes like gary or maybe if we can get some you know somewhat close to a higgy probably wouldn't be as, as good as higgy but you know a serviceable um a serviceable pitch caller um because you look at some of these grades he has a 55 hit and a 55 power scouting rate on on the 20 to 80 scale um for scouting um and that's really high level for a catcher um He's starting in double A. MLB.com has him ETA twenty twenty three, so maybe an end of year call up, which might be quick. You know, they he has been flying through the system. He was a twenty twenty draft pick without any rookie ball in twenty twenty, so that would be really impressive. So, but he could platoon with Trevino, might be a good option. Um, yeah. but it's tough on a championship team to call up a catcher late in the season. So we'll we'll see what what they do with Austin Wells. We'll see how much they like Ben Rortfit too. Um, I think that's going to play into it. Like they, this could be a guy that they can trade for some serious value as well at the deadline. So, I'm really interested to see what their plan is with him. Yeah, I agree. And behind him, uh, I'll I'll go next on, on a catcher, um, Anthony Siegler. We've heard about a little bit. He's been in the system for a while. 2018 first round pick. Um, he's gone up and down through. Uh, the Yankees prospect rankings. Um, he was projected to be a good bat for a while, but I think Austin Wells is jumping him ultimately. Uh, the advantage with Siegler is that he was always supposed to have a bit better of a glove. Um, but even on these MLB.com rankings, he doesn't even make the Yankees top 30. He's being jumped by guys like Antonio Gomez, um, who was signed out of Venezuela, who's in uh, in high A ball, um, as well as Josh Bro who's the the AAA catcher right now the mainstay along with with Rortfett, who was um who who played when he came back from injury last year um but even bro they have projecting um as a high power guy decent glove kind of similar to Higgy um so yeah i think Austin Wells is a guy who he's been flying up through the system he would get the nod over guys like Siegler who we've heard about for a while um and even bro could be that that backup option like Rob Brantley has been 
Um, but I, I don't see either of them really getting any play on the major league team. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's definitely some trade bait thrown in there. Yeah. Um, next big prospect. Do you do you want to take it? Did I take one? Was that my pick? Or want me? <laughs> <laughs> that was a sneaky one. If it was, um, <laughs> go for another one, and I'll go I after. Could, you. I'll jump into one. Um, yeah. what I'd like to do. We've had a lot of conversation about our top prospects, Anthony Volpe. Um, so I'll jump into that because that's a bit of a a tangential conversation with the MLB roster, with some of the prospects that came up late last year. So Anthony Volpe, you know, we know we've heard about him for a while. He's our 2019 first round draft pick. Um, he's a top 10 player in baseball by all accounts. Um, according to some places, I think it might've been fan graphs or maybe it was even MLB.com. He's the highest rated prospect on their list that hasn't debuted in MLB yet. Um, so that that's a high end prospect. Uh, his ETA, I would say, is as early as April 2023, which is exciting. He's been in the system for a while. Uh, his bat grades out really well. The one thing with Volpe, and I'll tie it into the conversation with um, with Peraza, is that uh, you know Volpe has a fielding rate of 50, whereas Peraza has 60. So 60 is kind of that top level shortstop you know the elites in baseball have you know 70 60 70 um and then you have like Lindor and Correa or like you know 80 rank but um coming out of the farm a, a 50 yeah you know coming out of the farm like a, a 50 rank and from what I saw of him uh in Somerset if he might get he got some run in Scranton at the end of the year um he he looked really good defensively like he he looked solid like I would I would prefer him defensively over IKF. Um, but is his position on this team if we or do we keep Peraza? One, my question to you. Or if we keep Peraza, you know, where does Volpe come into this major league roster? I think that I mean, first of all, Volpe is going to be a really strong talent for us. Um, everything I've heard about him, his character, his demeanor, the way he plays, his intangible and tangible tools are all fantastic. Um so I think he is going to end up on this roster. Like I already said it earlier this episode, it's inevitable. I believe that he'll probably be at second base once he comes up. That just seems like the more proper fit for him right now. And I believe Peraza is probably the more fitting shortstop at the moment between the two. So that could change in the future, but I think that's where we're at right now. Yeah, I think that transfers well for for Volpe on bringing up the prospect to second, especially when we have Donaldson. We'll see if he's on the roster still gold glove defender at, at third and then Oswald Peraza played a lot of th- uh, sorry Oswaldo Cabrera played a, played a lot of third coming up I know he's like our util guy um yeah. so yeah I think you know we talked a bit a bit before about Glaber Torres we'll see what that is naturally but I think Volpe slots in well absolutely um so for my guy that I'm going with this is another outfielder who might be over the height of six five six six um who just for that reason alone and maybe his swing look and like just the way that it, like his aesthetic is uh, Spencer Jones is my guy who was picked, I believe this year from straight out of Vanderbilt and he's a lefty power bat, but he has, if you watch any of the clips of him, he's got these crazy athletic intangible tools that you can just see. Like he he's built like a freak <laughs> And he just moves so smoothly out in the outfield and his swing is very smooth. And it is like a lefty judge if you mirror him. Um, 
this guy is coming out of the SEC, one of the best programs in the country in the world, you know, with Vanderbilt. He's already very polished, and I believe that he's a guy that's going to skyrocket through the minors so quickly that the Yankees are going to have their hand forced a little bit. Do we want to trade him or do we want to bring him up? And there's going to be some hard decisions made in the next two to three years because of that. Probably two years, honestly. Yeah. Um, a personal anecdote. Uh, Jake and I met playing at a baseball tournament together in Nashville, Tennessee. Um on the Friday before our baseball tournament, I worked from the Vanderbilt campus because one of my friends went to Vanderbilt and she told me where to go in the library to uh, to blend in with the students so I could work remotely. On the way back to our house for the, the game on Friday, um, I walked through the Vanderbilt campus and I saw a Vanderbilt practice from, uh, from one of the stands and I walked by and I saw this man taking fly balls in the outfield who was tall, lanky. I'm like, this, this man is huge. And it turned out when the Yankees drafted him, I figured out it was Spencer Jones, um, who's he stands at six foot seven, six foot eight, uh, the really smooth swing. And like you said, you know, he he is a first round draft pick outfield bat coming out of Vanderbilt. Um, so he's gonna project to go through the minor leagues pretty quickly if he can perform well. Um, from his little time in, in high A ball or pr- probably rookie ball, I think last year he's projected to be in high A starting next year. Um he looked good, and that that transition isn't always good from um from college to the minor leagues with wood bats and whatnot, um. But his hitting projects out really well. I think he could quickly come through. He's very tall, but very athletic. He has good speed, ranked at about at a fifty five on MLB.com, all around the board, um. And yeah, I'm I'm excited for him. Yeah, I remember he got to rookie ball, and then they realized he's way too good for this level of play. Like, really quick, within the first two weeks, his numbers, like, he was batting around 500, and they were like, we got to move yeah. him up. got to move him up. And the fact that he made that jump to high A already is, is crazy. So, like, he is going to be a guy that's going to come up sooner than later. Yeah, I think he's being coached. Uh, he's in Tampa with Dalkovic. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's cool. Yeah, I'm excited about him. Yeah. So, we'll see how our outfield projects out. Um going forward because I'm going to jump on another top outfield prospect uh, and that is the Martian himself, Jason Dominguez. Um, and I almost don't want to talk about Jason Dominguez that much because of how much has been talked about him. Talked um, about so yeah. But I think unfortunately, well, or fortunately for him, I think now is actually the time where it's applicable to start talking about him. Um, you know, Dominguez getting the Mickey Mantle comparisons um, when he's 16 year old or, 16 years old is really unfair to him. Um, but he's gone through the he's gone through the minor leagues and has been really good. I saw a few games of him in uh in the Arizona Fall League where he was just raking, but like both sides of the plate. Um and the the fall league has the best talent that that's available in the minor leagues. Um and he look he looked like an all-star within them. I think he made the Arizona League all-star team. Um yeah. so my my one concern with him is mostly because I haven't seen him a lot defensively. It's easy to to scope out at bats at these prospects, but not watch full games. Um, he's he's played center field through, throughout his time. He ended the season in Double A, um, and that's his position right now. I don't know if that's to take advantage of that of his athleticism and train him to be a top corner outfielder, 
or if he projects in center field for the future. Um, Jake, do you have any insight on that or any feelings? I think that between Spencer Jones and him, if they both end up on the, the roster at the same time, which would be awesome. Like, don't get me wrong. It would be really fucking cool. But um, I think that given his size and stature over time, he would be better suited off in a corner outfield position. Cause he like the way that he's grown into his body is like some kids like, like Jones are very lanky and you can tell they haven't grown in yet. He was the opposite. He grew in so fast that I think he's still trying to hone in on his ability to move athletically out there and take the proper routes. And I think that a corner would be a lot more comfortable for where he's at right now. All in all. Yeah, I agree. Like long, long long-term for him uh, has a pretty solid arm, nothing crazy. Um, and especially, you know, if we go back to Harrison Bader, if Harrison Bader's our outfielder of the future, um, you know, uh, Dominguez is projected to debut in 2024 sometime. So don't expect to see him next year. Um, I think the Yankees should and will have the outfield cover then. We don't want to rush Dominguez at all, um, especially given all of the hype that he's gotten. Um, so we we should see him 2024, 2025, maybe as a consistent starter. So we'll we'll plan for that. Um, his power tool is listed at 60, which is about as high as prospects get, uh, by the way, Volpe has a 60 hit and a 60 power. So yeah. be, ex- be excited for that. Um, and some level setting on the Martian too. Uh, don't come, he's not going to be judge type or Stanton type. You know, he's not, he's not going to be a, you know, 40 to 60 Homer guy. Um, think of it more as like probably a Manny Machado type. His power really comes in gap to gap doubles. Um, he has some pretty solid speed. He hits the ball really hard, but it's a lot of it's a lot of line drives, which has been really good because his strikeout rate went down uh, tremendously last year. Um, so him getting that at bats, getting on base, like that's something that we want to see that's projectable. Because if you have a guy who's striking out at a high rate and in high A ball and hitting a bunch of homers, it doesn't that exactly project on major league pitching. Um, but he's been getting more consistency with his at bats. Yeah, he could easily be like a 25 to 30 homer, 20 stolen base guy, which if you can get that out of him every year, I'll take that any day. Oh, yeah. A thousand percent. Let me look yeah. up his uh, his strikeout rate. Let's see. In 2021, in A ball, he was at a 31.3%. Across 2022, in double A, he was at 22%. In high A, he was at 18.5%. So that's, that's really nice. That's really good. So a 10% difference in one year. And his his walk rate is still it's okay. I mean 13%. That's pretty decent um in the minor leagues. I mean, the, the yeah. Like keep in mind he was a very raw player when he first came up in the Yankee system. Yeah. So this is a year by year learning experience for him still. And especially with these international prospects, um, you know, just the way a lot of these guys come through at, at the level of, of Jason Dominguez and guys that get signed in that three to five million free agent range, you know, these guys are fostered by the major league academies from the time they're 11 years old. So they're not doing your standard yeah. travel ball circuit, high school circuit. You know, they're really in development baseball until they reach the minor leagues. And even in the minor leagues, they've never really played games that like you're playing to win. It's all for development. Which has pros and cons, yeah. But they don't have that competitive edge necessarily yet, just because they haven't been in that situation. So that sometimes that has to be learned, not immediately brought in. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. So between 
the competitive differences, language barriers, which you really have to give credit to these young guys that come in and, you know, learn English or go into a completely different environment away from home. Um, but by all accounts, you know, he's not going to be a bust. He won't be Mickey Mantle. If he is, play this back. I'll, I'd love to be wrong, but um, he he looks like he could be a solid and even an all-star level player. So that's my pick. If he can be Machado, that's fucking awesome. Like if Machado is, as the ceiling, is fantastic. Yeah. You know? Hall, Hall of Fame level ceiling. Not too bad. <laughs> Gold glove action out there. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So I'm thinking for my last one, last position player, I want to go with Trey Sweeney. Um, I think is a very interesting name, compelling name, because they drafted him, what, was that 2020, I want to say? Or 2019? Trey Sweeney in 2021. First round pick okay. last year. And he's another guy that I believe has sw- like really smoothly transitioned through the system um, at a young age. And I think this is a guy who, because of how deep that that middle infield shortstop pool is the crop of shortstops that are in this Yankee system right now. He kind of gets forgotten just because you have Volpe and Peraza right in front of him, but that shouldn't sway people away from like looking at how good he could potentially be. And if anything, he would be a fantastic trade chip. Yeah, definitely. We have, we have so much depth at, at shortstop. Um, I think Trey Sweeney, is Trey Sweeney is a solid defender, but in terms of projectable shortstops, I think he's behind a line of three to four players. With that being, uh, Peraza, Volpe, IKF, you know, maybe Oswaldo, um, Sweeney by by a lot of what the scouts have say can project really well to third base. That his athleticism and his arm would uh would transfer over pretty well. Uh, he has a really smooth swing. Um. He seems he's listed at 64 200 which is bigger than I even anticipated him being cuz he's kind of he's kind of lanky uh somewhat young I mean 22 years old it's it seems like that used to be really young and it's not as young anymore but I think he yep. has potential to really grow into his body even more get some power numbers he has a hit tool rated by MLB of 55 which is very high um so yeah. At worst, you know, with us giving out big contracts to some of our top players, potentially, Aaron Judge, <laughs> for him being a, a value in field piece um, at, at an everyday major league level, I, I could see him projecting out there. And at the worst, um, we got to get a big player. Trey Sweeney is going to be a top prospect. He's number nine for us in a, in a good, um, some debate, in a good farm system, he's number nine. Um, he could be a top five shortstop, and he, I think, he will be an MLB player. For sure, it's it's a matter of if it's going to be with the Yankees or with another team. Yeah. At the end. Of- and his ETA is also uh twenty twenty four. They say so he'll have a year in the farm at least, Very close. which um which also will help us um potentially a deadline move to shop him this year because I think teams will see him getting close to major league ready this year and then. Um, set to be on an opening day roster in 2024. Absolutely. Great. Um, actually, I'm going to talk about one more, um, one more outfield pick. Um, and I, I think it's an interesting conversation because we, we kind of danced around it, um, when we did our roster building yeah. and it's, he's borderline, even a prospect. I'm going to, I'm going to go with Everson, uh, Pereira. That's what I was thinking. He is MLB ready. 
is he Yankees ready? I'm not too sure. Um, he's gone through the system. He played in AAA pretty much all of last year. He has a good, good power tool. He's a righty hitter. So it's really interesting because, you know, Everson Pereira has been much more highly touted. Um, he's played a lot of center field, but he kind of bounces around the outfield in the minors. But we have Oswaldo Cabrera up, who's proven that he can hit at this level. Um, and so do we want to put Everson Pereira into our outfield? You know, I guess he would fit in as a left fielder. God forbid a right fielder. Um, he has two options. Uh, decent pop, nothing to write home about. His K rate has gotten progressively high throughout the minor leagues. That's been a big uh, tipping point with him. Um, in 2022 at AA, it was a 30.1% K rate. Um, and that that's something that's really tough for a guy who also, he only walked at a 7.3% clip. Um, it is only 123 plate appearances, but if we extrapolate also out his time in Tampa and high A, it was a 26.8 strikeout rate with a 10.5 walk rate. So in terms of being MLB ready, I don't know that Pereira is the type of bat that you want to put in for a minor leaguer. I think he could use some more minor league time or be elsewhere, especially when Oswaldo showed um, how much of a contact bat he can provide and how ready he is to hit major league pitching um, quicker than anticipated. Yeah, I think he's a very compelling player um, just because, like, there are a lot of tools there that, you know, you can use and you can build upon. But at the same time, I just think that with between Bader being there and then also Judge potentially being locked up or whoever they lock up for the outfield, and we talked about Spencer Jones and um, Dominguez, like, I don't think there's space for him to be, like, honest about it. Um, and I think he is better suited as a trade ship at this point in his career. Yeah, and that's he's a guy I hope he does well just for his own career. Um, in in minor leagues, I know teams don't necessarily read into stats that much. They would read more into the advanced stats. I think the yeah, walk rate and the K rate are things that they do look at though on like the simpler stat side. Um, so I hope he does well. I hope he can perform in the minor leagues and I hope he can be a good trade piece because I think um we're going to have to go all in pretty soon. He doesn't have a long-term spot in our team, so I, I don't think we would miss him as a minor league prospect necessarily. So, uh, yeah. Nice. You want to take so, us into pitchers? Let's do it. I'm thinking right off the bat, Clayton Beater, who is who we got out of the uh, Joey Gallo trade, is the most interesting name on that list because from what I've seen and what I've heard, he's a power thrower who's got nasty stuff. And I think that he could be looked at potentially for the reason as a relief arm. But if they can mold him into a three-pitch pitcher in, you know, like a number three, four, five, he's young enough that he can potentially impact this team in a big way. Yeah, and honestly, um, you know, Clayton Beater is, I guess in, in hindsight, it's a lot easier because he performed really well in the Yankees farm. He's a lot higher value of a prospect than I thought we would get. Um, Beater was drafted in 2020 in the second round by the Dodgers. Right now, according to Fangraphs, he's our 12th ranked prospect. Uh, his stats were crazy. He's a power arm of power arms. He had a 14.57 K per nine in the seven games with the Yankees. 
And that's not a fluke because before that with the Dodgers in double A the rest of the year and his other 50 innings of 15.33 K per nine. Uh, the one thing that the Yankees did seem to help him with, he dropped down. He was sitting at around five to six walks per nine in the Dodgers system. In his seven games with the Yankees, small sample size, he was under four. So I do like that projectability. Um, he didn't give up a lot of homers. His FIP was with the Yankees was below two. Uh, so I I know we can't read into minor league stats too much, but I mean, sounds like another Clay Holmes. Yeah. So beater and he and he went full. He started every game that he pitched for the Yankees. So we'll we'll see how he projects long term. He throws really hard. Um. So my my brain tends to think that that kind of translates better to a reliever. Um. But the paradigm of baseball is changing. So I I think beater. Um. You know the Joe the Joey Gallo experience wasn't exactly great, um. But ultimately, you know we had an all time first half in twenty twenty two where he didn't necessarily hurt us to get Clayton Beater out of that trade to flip him. Um. This is this is a valuable arm, and I think he, um, I think he is, has projectability. Twenty twenty three, that's what MLB says. So a chance to make this team. Yeah. This is going to be a Blake project that's going to, in my opinion, work out really well. Um, yeah, MLB.com has Clayton Beater's pitches. He has their, he has, they have their fastball. They have his fastball at a 60, curveball at a 60, changeup at a 50. Um, his biggest thing, they have his control rated at a 45, in which the stats kind of back it up. He has a decent, uh, a decently high walks per nine coming from the Dodgers system, but the Yankees did get that down. So we'll see. Um, There's a lot of problems up there. Definitely. I'm going to jump into potentially our, maybe our joint top pitcher um, who's been with the mm-hmm. team for a while. Uh, I'm going to talk about Yuendris Gomez. Um, Yuendris Gomez went through double A mostly last year. He was an amateur free agent signing with us in 2016. Um, for about 500k he's been in the system for a really long time um getting acquainted a lot of minor league stats that show a lot of fluctuation with with different k rates different walk rates at one one year in rookie ball in 2017 he had an 18 walks per nine um which is only in a few innings more accurately a seven to eight walks per nine now he's down to like a three three you know uh 10.4 K per nine, which isn't too bad. I know he sits around mid nineties, can top out at around ninety-eight. I could see him um, you know, maybe being a spot start here and there, kind of like we use with Davey or what Herman was supposed to do at first. Um he looks okay from from what I've seen of him. Um, but we we never really know with these pitchers. Uh MLB.com rates his fastball as a sixty. Um, he has a really high spin rate relative to his his velocity, so uh, we could see that he's set to debut um, this year or projected uh, in 2023. So I could see him if there's an injury or we just need spots here and there uh, finally coming up and making that debut. Yeah, we've been hearing about him for a while, and um, I think with Debbie kind of going down, and I think Debbie's still figuring things out right now, but that gives. Uh, Gomez the perfect opportunity to kind of swoop in for that top spot as a pitcher. Um, I think, you know, like you said, 
nice swing guy in the rotation or like a sixth starter even, or you can try to hone in on his stuff in that high spin rate and kind of use him as a Chad Green type maybe in the seventh or eighth inning. That could provide a lot of value as a setup man. Um, so it's really interesting to see what they'll do with him. Yeah, I could see them like uh, refining his arsenal to like the two good pitches that he throws exactly. um, and then get down to the relief arms. All right, who you got? So this one is going to be – I'm going to go towards the actual bullpen because um, he has actual MLB time, not for the Yankees, but for I believe the Colorado Rockies and maybe the White Sox is uh, Jimmy Cordero. Um, big time arm. I think he used to top around 100, 101, 102 even. Um, from what I've heard, nasty two-seamers. So uh, immediately you think of Clay Holmes, you think of Loisaga. And that type of arm always will play in the Yankees bullpen and in the MLB in general. Um, so I think he's definitely a guy that we're going to see for quite a bit this season. Yeah, I think he definitely has potential to get into our bullpen. Um, naturally, we picked our roster of about 13 bullpen arms. Um, and if you ever do those sporkle quizzes of Yankees who debut, I'm always stuck on like the 25 relievers that throw some innings for us. Um, he has time in the major leagues with with the White Sox. He's been up and down. Um, I'd love to see Matt Blake work some magic on him. Um, and if he makes, you know, it can be like a Ron Marinaccio type from last year when, you know, when Ronnie made the roster from the spring, we're like, oh, okay, you know, nice triple A arm. Maybe he goes down when the rosters are are reduced. And then Ron Marinaccio was one of our best pitchers. So uh, I pray for that from Cordero. He's He's looked good. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt to have this many, like, power arms, you know, or just arms in general in the pen. So, um, I mean, if anything, he's another trade ship. But I think that he's going to have a legit spot when someone goes down in the pen with an injury this season. Yeah. Now, I want to talk quickly about uh, an interesting one for us, which who is Luis Heal. Yeah. Um, Luis Heal had some great time in the major leagues with the Yankees. Um, I'm trying to find his his stats. Give me one second to find Luis Heal, how he did. But um, looking at the prospect rankings on MLB.com, they rate his fastball at a 70. Um, yeah. And it is that filthy. Uh, and it's not even necessarily the highest of velocities that he has, although he can get up to a hundred as a as a starting pitcher, um, but Heal for a while was winning every game he pitched in twenty twenty one, and parts of twenty twenty two. When did he? Do you remember when he got his injury? I want to say that was was that early twenty twenty two. Like it was like maybe spring training this season. Does that sound accurate? Yeah, it was. It was early. He had I, I one want... game started for the Yankees in MLB. So yeah, so it was, it was probably... in April. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um 2021, 48 innings pitched. Uh he had a FIP of 4.6, which is pretty solid. He had a 12.4 K per nine, which is really good. Uh, his biggest things was the walks. He had about six walks per nine. Um I could see Heal being that uh being that Herman piece. I don't see us bringing back Herman this year. Um if Heal can stay healthy, you know, he, by by all accounts he's set to be in spring with the MLB team. Uh, I know he pitched a little bit. Um, actually, no, he hasn't pitched in the minors even since his injury. But he's projected to start in AAA. 
Um, and for value, we're looking at our pitching. I, I wouldn't mind Luis Heal as our sixth, seventh option, um, given what we've seen from him in MLB, especially if we can get those walks down. I mean, there was a time it looked like he was going to be maybe our number three even, you know, and then Tyone kind of fortified himself and a few other guys stepped up. Nestor stepped up. Savvy was finally able to stay healthy. But this is a guy, like, his stuff is comparable to, like, a Severino's if you're looking at the raw stuff. Um, and if you need him in a playoff game to be a relief guy, you know, empty the tank for one innings, two innings, this could be him as well. Um, didn't he have, what, like, four perfect innings at one point to start a game last season? Yeah, he, he had a crazy one where I think he had like a what six game win streak or something crazy that was topping ML or Yankees. Um, so the dude came up to the big stage and didn't fall or buckle whatsoever. Um, if it wasn't for this injury, I think we would have seen plenty last season. What a time there was that Nestor Cortez and Luis Heal were seen with the same level of comfort and what they can give yeah. us. Um, but that's that's a credit to how good Luis Heel was because Nestor was still pretty good back then, and we just we gave him more rope, and he's become uh, a USA team uh, starting pitcher. Which congrats to Nestor for that. Yeah. yeah. Right, I think we'll we'll wrap up um, with maybe a last pick or two. Jake, you have any more on your mind? Um, I'm gonna let you go to this one. Cool. So I want to highlight. Um, another trade piece that we got, um, who isn't coming up anytime soon, but that's Justin Lange or Lange. I'm not yeah. even sure. Um, Lang. Justin Lang. Lang. There we go. Uh, he, we got him in the Luke Voigt trade, uh, in March. He was a first round pick from the Padres. Uh, he's starting in high A ball. Um, but MLB.com and Fangraphs already have him high on Fangraphs. He is our 12th prospect on MLB.com. He is not ranked in our top 20. But uh, this is another really good piece that we got back seemingly for Luke Voigt, who didn't have a place in our team. Um, another high K per nine, you know, 14 K per nine in his time with the Yankees last year. Um, ultimately, long term, he does start. Um, but he throws really hard. Uh, his fastball is rated uh, 55 to 65 on fan graphs. Um, but his command is down at 20 to 40. So 20 is the, as low as you can get on the prospect rankings. So we'll see. Um, yeah. I, I see him long-term com- probably converting to the bullpen, being a one-two inning guy, um, honing in that fastball and that slider. That slider is about a 55 rank. Mm-hmm. which is what they have. I haven't seen much of him because I don't really see a lot of videos of Tampa, but um, by all accounts, he does, uh, Dustin Lang does show some potential. Yeah. I mean, his ERA, don't look at it for this season. It's not kind of worth it. It's more, I think he's still kind of, he's 21. So he's in that developmental stage to an extent. Um, I think he's another guy. If he can get the control together and learn how to command a bit, He's a weapon, and we got him for really nothing. Like Luke Voigt, losing him obviously sucked after the 2020 season because he was the guy that held us together. But at the end of the day, he was not going to impact the 2022 roster whatsoever. Um, so this was a huge move to make in getting him. And I think it's a sneaky little underrated one that people forget about. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what he's got. And he's the kind of arm, if you look at even a lot of the stops, the top starting pitchers in baseball – um, they had similar stats, you know, with this 
maybe high walk rate, um, high ERA and in, in high A, um, in double A even. Um, so yeah, like Jake said, don't really look into stats much. His ERA is above a six with, with uh with Tampa last year. Um, but you're looking for projectability, you're looking for arm action. Um, and there are certain things that you can teach and um you know that is pitch mix that is approach preparation and and command you can't really teach stuff you can improve on different ways to throw things but or velocity and he has those raw tools and so um i him for 2024 2025 potentially yeah youtube search his name if you get a chance can watch a few of his clips he's really fun yeah all right and uh Last thing, there's there's a few guys that don't really want to deep dive in, um, but relief arms. Clark Schmidt is still listed as a prospect, um, but I think throwing him in do or die situations in the playoffs doesn't really make Clark a prospect anymore. He's been a, a top prospect with us for a while, as well as He's Greg not Weiser. A prospect. Yeah, not a prospect anymore. Yeah. Um, Greg Weiser is kind of borderline. He came up as a minor leaguer for us. You know, Fordham guy. You know, uh, played college ball at Fordham in the Bronx. Um, had a decent year. You know, wasn't a high draft pick. I think he was serviceable. Um, I don't know how I like him on the Yankees long term. He he looked decent, um, but can you know be a serviceable arm in our bullpen. But ultimately, I think I might take a flyer on some of these other relief guys coming through the farm. I think that at best, like which would be a great best, he gives you kind of a Adam Adovino profile just in terms of the stuff. You yeah. know, um, if he can polish in and hone in on his uh command which he seemed to do once he settled in after that atrocious start that he had he was a really solid weapon to have to bring out and it sucks that he wasn't in a pen that was at full health because i think that would have just made him so much better if he had efros and king in there as well to like take some of the pressure off of him um but like you said unsure where he's going to end up in terms of actually making it to the yankees roster the 2023 season um there's a good chance he gets traded, which I hope gets some damn good value out of him because I think that he did open a lot of eyes this season. Yeah, his pitch mix, he's 40% sinker, 37% slider. Um, so to to give that nasty stuff, the one thing I could see him is him just being a different kind of arm um, who could be useful if, if he has a good season and, you know, in a, in a four-game series in the regular season or in a playoff series just to – um, to not give extra exposure to your relief arms uh, with the balanced schedule, divisional opponents, it doesn't matter as much for relievers. I mean, even the stats this year, his ERA was over five and a half, but his FIP was near four. Um, so you got you got to look at small sample size there and park factors and different things when relievers come in. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see where Weiser gets us. Um, but yeah, I think that's uh, some of our more interesting prospects that that are coming up. Uh, anyone else on the mind for you, Jake? Not really on the positive side, but I do want to say Esteban Floreal. I think that he's on his way out. I just don't see a spot on this team for him anymore, and I think that the Yankees might have stunted his growth as a potential piece for them in the immediate future. Um, so I think he's just better off with a change of scenery at this point, which sucks because he was very likable going through the system. And he's every, like someone that everyone was excited for. Yeah, and I think it's telling to our to our process that we took – you know, we talked about two outfielders over Esteban, or three outfielders actually, um, over Esteban Floreal, who's been a top prospect in the system. Um, and I think he's gotten it. 
it has tough it has been tough on him some of the situations we put him in because he's he hasn't gotten full run but he has gotten one to two weeks of run um and even though he has really good stats if you look at his triple a and double a um some of those power numbers he does hit high average um he he has a pretty long swing and you can see it from the eye test and also from his performance statistically at the major league level really high strikeout rate um doesn't have very good plate vision off of some of these mlb arms and that's in the stadium and on the computer. Um, so, yeah, I do think Florial is out. I hope he can maybe play himself into a good trade because um, I do think he can be a major league player somewhere. That's not necessarily trying to win right now. And he does have that potential. We just don't have time for him, I think. Yeah, and I think that he will have a solid start to the season, maybe a slow start, and then he hits up just in the time for the all-star break to come. Yeah. All right, so that is our Yankees prospects in review. Um, that's what we do during the offseason when there's not much cooking right now. Um, but these guys are good to know if you want to look back at some YouTube clips and see these guys hit bombs off of uh, people who you're never going to see in the major leagues, by all means, uh, get get yourself hyped on that. This offseason, uh, look at some Fall League baseball. You can see guys like Dominguez. Um, the Volpe go to Fall League this year? I think he might be kind of past Fall League. I think he's past Fall League at this yeah. point. I don't know. I don't... Volpe has played Fall League, though, if you look last year. Um, put up some good stats. And, yeah, looking at these prospects, um, get excited for them. I think it'll help you contextualize where we're at with the Major League roster as well. Um, important to note, we don't want to hoard prospects. I would say most of these players don't debut for the Yankees. Maybe a lot of the pitchers do because um, that's the, the nature of pitching. Um, but don't be upset if they leave in a trade for a good piece because um, ultimately prospects are really fungible. They're hit or miss. And um, if any of these guys end up at the level of like, you know, Glaber Torres or, I mean, Andrew Benintendi even, you know, th those guys are like, you know, one, two-time all-stars, high-end. Um, I think that's that's a really good value out of even your top five prospects. Consider that a win for sure. Yeah. All right, Jake, it's been fun. Thank you, man. Yeah, glad to get back on it, you know, after two weeks of inactivity. Yeah, of course. And uh, with that inactivity, you know, give us a like, share this with your friends, you know, listen through, rate us five stars on Spotify or wherever you're getting your content. Um, and follow us on Instagram at Pinstripe Pulse Pod. Um, not really using the Twitter because Twitter is kind of up in the air right now. We got TikTok, though, at Pinstripe Pulse Pod on TikTok. We've been hopping off on TikTok a little bit there, as well as the IG Reels. So, yeah, give us a follow. We'll give you some content. We'll share the stories. Um, and we'll keep you up with Yankees news. Next, we're going to be talking all about the winter meetings, I imagine, next weekend. Yeah. So yeah, uh, we, yeah, we bring you a lot of uh, real rumors and a lot, a whole lot of nothing, but we love to talk about it anyway. Hopefully not too much frustration this time around. Yeah. All right, Jake. Thank you, my man. We'll see you no guys problem. soon. Catch you later.